This man here is Teague Shepherd. Crikey, mate! Teague Shepherd is 17 years old, and three years ago he was diagnosed with a terminal case of AIDS. Ah, oh, shit, we should put another trimper on the barbie. Tommy kangaroo down, sport. But that was three years ago, before the AIDS progressed to such a state where he can barely walk. <laughs> a new joy came into his life by the name of Henry Montgomery. <laughs> Henry Montgomery. <laughs> Henry. <laughs> Henry Montgomery had leprosy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay, I'll just give you some more time. Henry Montgomery had leprosy. (laughs) And their shared experience of being hit, afflicted by such cruel terminal illnesses brought them together in their time of need. Crikey, Henry, don't put it in there. Who do you think you are, Rolf Harris? You can't do that to a koala. (laughs) But even though... Have you ever seen the rescuers down under, you sick fuck? But even though... But even though they had both found each other in this time of need, they also felt something lacking in their lives. And that thing they found the following year, as their illnesses were getting... We're deforming their penises. <laughs> they found a new light in their lives, known as Will and Stu's Rantcast. Crikey, Henry, have you heard this? This is this is Bonza. It's almost as good as Carly Minogue. We should go and watch Neighbours afterwards. <coughs> I agree. I agree that Carly Minogue is fit, although that Holly Valance is a bit of a slag. Yeah... And so... Jesus Christ, Henry, you can't put that in there. That's my asshole, mate. Wait a minute, that feels quite good. Oh my God, oh my God. Henry, why are you doing that? This has been a lifetime biography on Teague Shepherd and Henry Montgomery. It has been played by two English people with absolutely no idea how to do Australian accents and has been very racist. We apologise in advance. So please give generously and help fight AIDS and leprosy. (laughs) I feel raped.
apologies to Teague and Henry. I'm so sorry. We had to do it. <laughs> oh, God. Right. You're listening to Will and Stu's Rantcast, and we just raped your mind. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Evening Discussion Show. My name is Professor Richard Yaffle, and today we are going to talk, be talking to Mr. Yellow McRedknob, who claims to be the inventor of the chocolate hobnob. Now, Mr. Redknob, what do you say to these damning allegations that you invented the chocolate hobnob? Crikey, mate! I'm sorry to interrupt you there, Mr. McRedknob, but you're being kind of boring. So I'm going to quote some statistics at you. Three, seven, forty-two percent, eight and a half, and twelve. What do you say to these damning allegations, Mr. McRedknob? Tommy kangaroo down, sport. Precisely. Anyway, welcome to Willis Two's Rankcast, the place where racism towards Australians is not encouraged. <laughs> Despite that last two or three minute segment. Yes, we do. We love you, Teague. We love you, Henry. We're sorry. They've probably turned off by now. They're not fans anymore. <laughs> yeah, we've 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 kind of crossed several. We've already kind of crossed several boundaries, especially with you opening it, saying about how you raped Teague in the asshole. No, you've never met Teague. Oh, but I have. He 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 knows how awesome it feels, don't you, sweetheart? I wonder how he did that. I think I just vomited. Yeah. I still haven't recovered from Catwoman. Yeah, Hugh still hasn't recovered from Catwoman. That's why he was absent last week. Um, anyway, welcome to Will and Stu's Rankcast. The place where geeks come to mock other geeks and their mothers with geeky stuff. Not just your normal geeky stuff, mind you. The sort of geeky stuff that is neither geeky nor not geeky. I don't have a clue what that means. It's a giant allegorical metaphor. Um, which is a subject I learnt about recently when I watched ja- Alejandro Jodorowsky's Holy Mountain, one of the weirdest films I've ever seen. It's about a man in a loincloth who wanders through a room filled with loads of shop window dummies which are laughing at him. And he goes to where a bunch of people in turbans are holding a frog circus where a load of frogs in turbans, are jumping up this temple to worship their holy god, and then they all explode into a a cloud of purple jelly. And there's also this factory where a load of naked people with paint coming from their bums do butt prints for rich people. It raped my mind. Anyway, I've been talking too long. Um, Here's Will. Yeah, so... um Basically, basically, I'm not, I'm not having some sort of epidural, epidural, epileptic. If you, if you were having an epidural, you'd be having a baby. Will. <laughs> oh, g- oh God. <laughs> oh, maybe I am having a baby. I won't have fucking nephews or nieces yet. You wouldn't have to deal with them. You'd be the fun uncle who can play the guitar and shit. Fun uncle? You'd be the uncle who potentially molests them. (laughs) 
You're not supposed to tell anyone my future plans. <laughs> I'm going to go play Minish Cap. Yeah, Hugh's just going to be playing Game Boy for most of this on an emulator. Anyway, we're, we're Will and Stu's Rantcast. We've been talking for about ten minutes and haven't said anything about what we're going to be talking about today. Um, well, not quite ten minutes. Not quite ten minutes. We're actually going to measure it. Count the minutes, Will. My penis. Which is Annie. You would know this, Hugh. Stuart, did you know that there's a new Sarah Michelle Gellar TV show? Um, no, I didn't know that. What's it called? It's called Ringer. Cool. This is... Let me read you the plot. Bridget returns home to see her twin sister, Siobhan, uh, after running into trouble in New York. When it appears her sister committed suicide, Bridget decides to assume her twin's identity, only to find that her sister's life is not much safer than her own. That sounds about as interesting as the time I turned into a turtle and ate some chips. Speaking of interesting things, this week we're talking about Tinker Taylor, Soldier Spy. I don't know how you pronounce that name. How are you meant to pronounce it? Is it, is it does it have any inflections or way you pronounce it? Tinker Taylor, Soldier Spy. Just, just that. It's not Tinker Taylor, Soldier Spy, or Tinker Taylor, Soldier Spy. Tinker Taylor, Soldier Spy. Does it have commas in between? No, oh, it does on everything that I've seen of it, but in the film and on the poster it doesn't, so I'm assuming that it doesn't. So it's Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, as in a sentence? Yeah. Oh, okay, that's good. Um, Yeah, we went to see Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, or Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, depending on your point of view, today, as it happens. And we're going to review it. We all came out of that film with very different viewpoints. Will absolutely loved it. I thought it was okay. And Hugh thought it was a pile of shit. More than a pile of shit. Yeah. And we're going to justify it. You see, I absolutely loved this film. This is exactly what I wanted from an adaptation of the John le Carre novel. It's... It's slow and methodical rather than your bang-bang-bang action film. It's more realistic than your James Bonds and your spooks and all that. Uh, I can I can totally see why some people didn't like it. It's I can totally see why people didn't like it. It's just the fact that it's um, so slow and slow and methodical that Lots of people, I imagine, will find it boring, but if you're paying enough attention to it and you invest yourself in it, um, then it builds and builds and builds until the crescendo at the end. But for I do, I do admit that for the first half an hour or so, it is it does get somewhat tedious, but I think it makes up for that through some great performances, um, particularly Gary Oldman, who was awesome. I'm actually actually surprised that I kind of liked it because I usually have the attention span of about 15 seconds. Ooh, look, a butterfly. Why is there a butterfly in your back room, Will? There isn't. Whoa, my head must be spinning or something. Um, yeah, so Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Overall, 
Yeah, you're, yeah, you're right. The first half hour kind of, kind of drags, and I can imagine a lot of people not liking this film. Yeah, well, it's one of those things because, especially as the um, first scene is so quick, bang, 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 and then once that's over and done with, it goes into the slow build to get us to the point where the story kicks off but the first scene is really quite is is absolutely amazing in the fact that it's all a huge tension builder and it lets you know right away that none of these characters are necessarily safe even though they do sort of cop out by the end with that specific character um, it does build on the fact that any of these people could die at any moment, except for George Smiley, who's the main character. Yeah, they did. They did have a lot of focus on the realism of it, and I've, I've got to admit, they did do an amazing job of making it feel more like a like a seventy spy film. I, I mean, not 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 just in the, not just in the way that everything looked, but like the the cinematography and the direction. It just made it made it feel more like a seventies thing than the 2011 film, which I, su- I suppose was what they're going for, especially since this was set in 1973 or 4, I think, and was also it was also originally made as a TV miniseries in the 70s with Alec Guinness, and which I'd still want to watch. Yeah. Um, about Alec Guinness, everyone's going on about how amazing Gary Oldman is in this film, and he is. He's just as good as Alec Guinness was in the original and that's, apart from playing Obi-Wan Kenobi, that's what Alec Guinness is known for, playing George Smiley. But um, Gary Oldman, I hesitate to say that he was better, because he's probably on level, but there are moments when you can see that he, for some of it, he is doing his best to try and act exactly like Alec Guinness, which is sort of how the character's been defined now, but that those couple of moments did sort of stand out to me as being different from the rest of it. Well, Alec, Alec Guinness is a hard act to follow, given he's one of the greatest actors ever. Um, yeah. Hugh didn't like Gary Oldman in this. Explain why, Hugh. Is this hat talking to me? He's playing Zelda, Minish Cap. Um... Yeah, I like I like Gary Oldman in this because well I like was, I, I didn't say he was awful. I just said he was a bit like he wasn't the best thing about it. Like everyone's going on about he he just was a bit like hi I'm Gary Oldman I'm going to stay silent for the first ten minutes. That was fucking awesome. The fact that he stayed. You, you've got all these scenes of people talking to him and he's just saying dead silent, just staring at them, and you're thinking. Oh shit! Because I was sit- I was sitting there thinking, why is he not talking? Is why is he not talking? And it's such a good method of building it up because you completely understand who this character is without him having to say a single line. You understand how he starts off. He gets dismissed in the first scene he's in, and then we go through a montage during the titles to build up to the present day, and just through. That montage. Oh, tired. Just through that opening scene, that montage, he's completely silent, but you get all the emotions. It's such great acting um, without having to say a single line. It's just, 
it builds the character perfectly so that when he does speak, it's not a shock to see the way that his thought process goes and all sorts. It's a great way of building character without forcing dialogue and exposition on us. I do, I do admit that is a very admirable, admirable quality to it because if it was done by anyone else, they would probably insert some sort of voiceover over the top of it. That, that I do. That's that's one of the things I like about this film because it doesn't patronize, it doesn't patronize the viewer at all. It just it it goes here's the story, understand it, and and the point of film is to be visual, and they do, and they are visual. That is um, uh, that's one that's one of the great things about it. Um. Yeah, so Gary Oldman, he was all right. It looks, it looks like, it looks like he's doing a better job of picking his own films now. Because it was weird that he picked Red Riding Hood as like the first film he was in this year. So yeah, but he wasn't the best thing about it. Oh no. No, I think that um, for you anyway, the best thing about it was Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh yeah. Um. This was originally the only reason I wanted to see this film. Because when Will show, first showed me the trailer for Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, I was like, okay, okay, okay. And then it shows the cast list, and it's basically made up of every actor I like. <laughs> if they added in Christopher Walken, I'd say it was a cast list of every actor I like and want to see every film with them in. It has Benedict Cumberbatch... Gary Oldman, Mark Strong, John fucking Hurt, who is the shit in this film. And I'd like you both, and I'd like one of you to recite the best line of the film, please, because I can't remember it. What? Did, you didn't follow the recipe. I did follow the recipe, sir. Take five months to get pissed on this shit. Ah, uh, five hours to get pissed on this one. John, John Hurt is a fucking legend. You should know that by now, but still. And the best part is every because um he's the bulk of his performances in the first five minutes. He all of his scenes through the rest of the film are basically exactly the same scene. Um, apart from that party scene where he says the line that we just mentioned. Um, all of his other scenes are basically there's a mole in the circus but to different people so he says it to Mark Strong there's a mole in the circus Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy there's a mole and then he says to someone else there's a mole in the circus Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy I, I have to admit it got a bit repetitive but just John Hurt uh, but back to back to Benedict Cumberbatch he was the main reason I wanted to see wanted to see this film because I love him so much sexually. I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> Gay joke. It's guy love between us guys. And he is gay in this film. Yeah, and his performance. I again, I was sitting there thinking he's just playing Sherlock, only less smarmy. Well, in fact, for a lot of it, he was playing a clueless Sherlock. But when he does all his spy sneaking around stuff, it was just basically like watching Sherlock in a blonde wig. I know, and it was awesome. Because Sherlock is awesome. It makes you really upset that the new series is not until next year, doesn't it? Yes, it fucking does. What, what happened?
happened? November? That sounded like a good plan. They want to make sure it's better for you, Stuart. Just for you. I know, but that's an extra three months. Maybe four. Yeah, maybe four. Oh, God. But yeah, he was awesome in this film. Although it's mainly because Doctor Who's not on in March. But yeah, um, yeah, he was good. Toby Jones and Kieran Hines were fairly good. As they were that Toby Jones was the new head of the Secret Service, and the one with the massive forehead. Yeah, the little one. And Kieran Hines was his mate, the big strong one. Um, and um, as well as that, you also got a great. Kathy Burke gave a great performance. She was only in it for about five minutes. Um, everyone was only in this film for about five minutes. Roger Lloyd Pack was great as well, pretending to be a car mechanic on the phone. <laughs> yeah, just to set up some spy stuff for Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, but um, the other one that I really liked, or the best part for me other than Gary Oldman and Benedict Cumberbatch, was... The performance by Tom Hardy, who's playing the rough spy that they've left in the cold. Um, and he was awesome. He had some of the best scenes of the film were devoted to his character. Um, and by the end of it, I wanted to know what happened to him more than anyone else. Um and that was, to me, the most important part. When he's explaining his story and you get flashbacks to his missions, uh, those were the highlights for me. Um, not in the least because um, Grantley from Waterloo Road was the um, ha- his handler and Grantley got brutally murdered, which made me laugh. I don't think our two fans, if they're still listening... I love you guys! Um... I don't think they'll know what Waterloo Road is. <sighs> and that's the summing up of Waterloo Road. Yeah, pretty much. Waterloo Road's a school about uh, a school, a story about school kids, and Grantley is one of the teachers. In fact, he's the only reason to watch the program. If Grantley left the show, then I'd stop watching it. But a lot of the time, while he's hilarious to watch, you wish that he would die. Um, yeah. I think he leaves at the end of the year, by the way. Then I will never watch an episode of Waterloo Road ever again. And I will never watch an episode of Waterloo Road. You you have AIDS, just like Teague. You have AIDS. I hate to tell you, boy, but you have AIDS. But yeah, Tom Hardy's part is the stuff that got me most emotionally invested. But, um... Uh... Gary Oldman's the core of the film. He's not the most important character by any stretch, but the way that he's piecing everything together is really fucking eerie and smart. I take it back. Um, They probably do know Waterloo Road exists. I've just looked it up. There's Series 4 in Australia. So yeah, sorry guys. Actually, they might not know it exists because it's boring. That is true. Just like this film! (laughs) Oh, if only Hugh had common sense.
vaginas. Yeah, but um, yeah. So that's basically um, what I liked about it. You've got Mark Strong's in it as well as um, their assassin secret agent who his life got sort of goes up shit creek and he ends up as a school teacher. But um, that's really. That's the only bit of the film that I thought was um, slightly out of place. Yeah, it shows the sort of thing that happens to agents that have been discarded. But at the same time, it's sort of unnecessary. Um, I understand why it's there. And it does sort of make Gary Oldman or yeah, Gary Oldman's discovery of him towards the end of the film mean something. Whereas, had he not been in it up to that point, you'd ask all the questions of, well, where's he been all this time? But the um, relate they set sort of set up a relationship between him and a, the new boy at the school who's being bullied, and that sort of just fizzles out towards the end into something that doesn't really mean anything to the overall narrative, which is a shame. Wait, was that Colin Firth's character? Who's, who's... Mark Strong. Oh yeah, Mark Strong. Um, wait, who's who's Colin Firth in this? I keep I keep getting confused between names. Colin Firth was um, one of the four suspects of being a spy, um, and he was the one, or he was um, friends with um, Mark Strong's character. Um, and yeah, he's also having an affair with Smiley's wife. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Colin Colin Firth was kind of boring in this. I like Mark Strong. It's just the bits he was in, as Will said. I really I didn't get why they were there, and they didn't really amount to anything in the end. Although the kid had funny glasses. Loads of people in this film had glasses. Yeah. In the title sequence at the start, Gary Oldman gets new glasses so he's wearing different glasses between the pre-title sequence continuity people and the actual film yeah Um, and they wear glasses while they go swimming yeah because they're gentlemen people had pride in the 70s yeah not like now now everyone in this country is scum you hate them don't you Will I hate them all yes um yeah, lots of people in this film had glasses. Other reviewers will focus on the plot and the characterization and things. We focus on a lot of people in this film had glasses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's how Hugh feels about the film. There was also a wife-beating scene. Yeah, that was um, that was during the Tom Hardy bit. That was a bit... Um, that sort of to give him... He uses that says that that's that was his justification for going. Tom Hardy uses that as his justification to lose the man that he's tailing and go f- and speak to his wife instead. And he starts he launches an affair out of that. But it was a fairly brutal wife beating. The bit that I like more is where she comes home and there's guards in the living room and they st- try and stop her from going in the bedroom. Where all through the scene of her trying to get into the bedroom, you can see a naked woman bouncing up and down in the bed because she's having sex. That was awesome. 
Um, yeah. And the Tom Hardy, Tom Hardy gets the one sex scene of the film, which was sort of a bit, um, a bit uh, dull, really, which is a nice way of putting it. It didn't really add a whole lot. As far as sex scenes go, it wasn't exactly... It's meant to be showing that they're growing in a loving relationship. It isn't meant to be hard on soft... hard on porno. This is a note to anyone listening to this. For some reason, when I went to edit the show, there were long bits of it where it went... Mm, and totally cut out everything that was recorded. So think of this as an edited highlights of the Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy episode, most of which is now gone forever, vanished in the chasms of time. There's a point where the film could go one way. They build up towards the end, Gary Oldman's setting up to basically assassinate someone, but then they just completely skip over that. It's got him going down to confront this person, and then there's a cut, and they've been caught. And that was sort of like, for most people, that would Insert missing explanation of why this film doesn't need to have as much thrills here. This film, well, well, it would have to cut a lot out, because if, if it had time for the stuff, which doesn't really mean anything anyway, because... Yeah, if it, if it had that, because um, the book's like 500 pages, and the original miniseries is like six hours, and this film's like two hours. So, it wouldn't exactly have time, and it would be prohibitive for a two-hour film like this one. Although, um, some people will probably complain and say that was why it was boring, because it didn't have any action stuff. I mean, this cl- I mean, the closest that this film has to violence is a bit where we see a guy in the bathtub whose intestines have been torn out. You don't even really see that. He's just lying in a bath filled with blood and he's dead. With his intestines wrapped around his feet. You do, you do see that. I did see that. He had, like, he had been... Cut. Was he in the bath with an octopus? No, he had been cut open, so I assume that's what it was. But they weren't highlighted. It was more than just the shock of seeing him. And I could, I could see, I could see them clearly, though. It looked, as I said, it looked like he was in the bath with an octopus. No, it didn't. It did. It did. You're blind. Two versus one. Get your clean. Will's, Will's going to look that up now. You're wrong. Biatch. You're small, and there's nothing you can do about it. Ah, Matilda. Why couldn't we review Matilda? It's much better than this piece of shit. Okay, why... Okay, now we've heard what Will loves about this film. As as, as I've said, I love a lot of the things that Will Will has said already about this film. The only thing that I didn't really like was how slow it is. I I like... Obviously, I don't mind stuff that's slow... I'm not always like, get to the action, get to the action, get to the action, except when a film is prohibitively boring but thinks it's not being, like the Pirates of the Caribbean movies and Catwoman, as we've already discussed on this show. Fuck that film. But now we move on to, why does Hugh not like this film? Most of the stuff that Hugh said did not show up on the recording, because he is a twat. Hold the microphone, you lazy shit. Carefully here. <sighs> well, Gary Oldman, I love you, but you're bland.
in this film. Benedict Cumberbatch, you are gay in this film, which makes you even more awesome. Tom Hardy, you are absolutely fantastic in this film. I can't wait for you to play Bane. With your Russian accent. Um, John Hurt, you say fucking at least three times. Everything else, everyone else, go home and just... Yeah, doing it like school. Everyone else, go home. You're all expelled because you're all shit. It's, it's one of those things where it's like... Uh, I, I fell asleep as well. Well, pretty much fell asleep. It's an expensive falling asleep. One, you didn't pay for a ticket. And two, you've not actually said why you don't like it. You just keep saying over and over again, go home, about the actors. You've not actually given a reason yet. That and anyone who insults Kathy Burke is immediately stupid. This is the point where I insult Hugh for not highlighting Kathy Burke's performance, and I say that she is totally fuckable. Yeah, I, I totally agree. <laughs> Stuart's tape. <laughs> I, wanted the, I wanted that to be a what-the-fuck moment, because we've suddenly gone all serious, because Will loved the film and, Will, and Hugh hated the film. All right, all right. Go into your, go into your reasons. Explain yourself as to what Will as what Will just said. There is no reason. I just don't like anything Will likes. <laughs> that that's the reason. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I've admitted it on a podcast. I don't like what Will likes. Weird thing is, I like Slayer and I like Metallica. Worship music, shit. So hello. This is why Hugh is. We have a bitch fight going on. I I am, it's 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 like I am the abused child, and these two are the bitching are the fighting parents. Are, are you going to start hitting each other like in the film now? You can suck my yellow. Bo- I am coloured like a Simpson. Yes, I know it makes no sense because all of the bits in between are kind of missing. It'll be better next week. I promise. Okay, am I am I the mediator in this showdown between t- between these two superpowers? I don't even know what he's talking about. He's just a dickhead. And Hugh and Will's retort to that is that Hugh is just a dickhead. Okay, currently the score stand. Uh, we were meant to be reviewing Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, weren't we? Um, <laughs> how did we get onto this? Will saying I'm a retard and an idiot when he is clearly the retard and the idiot. I'm not disputing the fact that Gary Oldman is probably going to get nominated for an Oscar for this, but I don't think he deserves one. You get nominated, nominated, yeah, it's fine. Just he doesn't deserve one because his performance is very, very, very bland. And it would have been better if he was just silent for the entire film because that would have made his character that more awesome. You totally missed the point of what his character is. He's meant to be sort of the stuffy, boring bloke, uh, like the the office manager, and he played that perfectly, but it's the bits where he didn't talk that were the bits that everyone was raving about. Okay. 
to detract from the seriousness of this argument. Welcome to Life Cooking with Stuart Hardy. Now, today we're going to be baking a live baby. Now, <laughs> now you may what you're thinking. Isn't that quite disgusting, Stuart? What the hell are you thinking? Well, you're right. Now, what you need to do is the baby's head open. It might start crying when you raise the when you raise the rock above its head. But just swing it down anyway. Cuss plat. And look, there you have dead baby head. Now put it into the oven, wrap it with tin foil, and leave it there for about an hour and a half, and then serve it to your guests. And when I say serve it to them, force feed it to them when they're tied to a chair. Anyway, we return to this review of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. What were we talking about? We were talking about how this is the end of the review. Um, yeah, nothing... Nazi review, nothing is really explained. Yeah, where it just sort of it starts with, Hey, kids, you may be wondering about what this thing is called Juicex. Or something like that. Um, yeah. That's... That's pretty. That's pretty much all we have to say. Will loved the film. I thought it was all right, and he thought it was not all right. And Gary Oldman will probably get an Oscar. That at least that we can agree on. And I, I've got to say though, Hugh, that even though you you didn't like his performance, and um, the thing is though, this will be his sympathy Oscar because even though I thought he was great. This isn't the best thing he's done, but he'll get nominated for this and probably win it because they've never nominated him or given him one before. And he's getting on a bit, so they want to give him one now. Um, because he deserves one for other things, which is why Martin Scorsese got one. Because as much as I think The Departed is the probably the best film he's ever made, Everyone else would say it's Goodfellas or Taxi Driver, and he didn't get an Oscar for those, but he did for The Departed. So Gary Oldman should have got an Oscar for insert name of film here, but um, he'll probably get one for Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. I'd, I'd honestly like um, Benedict Cumberbatch to get the Oscar because he was fucking awesome in this film as Mr. Gay Man, who was awesome. I don't think he'll even get a nominate nomination. Still, this film had an awesome supporting cast. That's that's what I'd say. Mostly because it's completely made up of actors who I love. And Tom Hardy was awesome. Um So yeah, that's a that's a that's pretty much our summing up. On the upside, even if he does And then there's about a minute's worth of missing footage. Footage. Um in which the discussions turn on to The Hobbit. That will be fucking awesome. I can't wait for The Hobbit. Martin Freeman is a very, very busy man. Get on with making more Sherlock. They've nearly finished filming, Stuart. Don't worry. <sighs> Salvation is near. Um. Anyway, yeah. That is our review of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. We didn't actually mention the film all that much within the last 40 minutes or so. But still. I'm a plank of wood. Um, I just stole Hugh's catchphrase there. Where? What's happening in the Minish Cap now? 
I stopped playing like 20 minutes ago. The tale of how Link got his hat. That's a tale that needs to be told. So anyway, we're going to go now. And we're going to have dinner, which will be aborted fetuses. Good night, Tegan Henry and anyone else who happens to be listening. You can find us on Facebook if you want. If you want to be raped over the internet, that is, via the Rantcast. As Tegan Henry have already demonstrated by being foolish and adding us. You can also email any complaints about Hugh and no one else to rantcast at live.co.uk. And Will has fallen asleep because this bedtime story of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy has, has made him go, Ha, ah, I can sleep now. And everyone dies. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Will fancy... Next time on Will and Stu's Randcast, Will puts his head in a bucket of brine shrimp and Stuart decides to kill himself. And this episode, we'll be going through every film in Jerry Bruckheimer's filmography. It will be the last episode ever. <laughs>